is an adversary after our soul. Recognizing that your family nor mine is exempt from the enemy desiring to destroy. Or that we are exempt from the fact to think that if we are to choose a life outside of the will of God, outside of his plans and purposes, Brother Willie, then we are fools if we think that there are no consequences to pay. We have to understand tonight that we are, we are instructed to walk in these uh, ways and to walk circumspectly here in this last point. Again, paying attention, being, being wise is the call that is, that is associated with this. But again, how do we know what God's wisdom is if we don't recognize what our foolishness is? You see, to really grab a hold of what God calls us to do or calls us to be, it requires self-examination. It requires a good long look in the Word of God. Brother Chad, it requires time in an altar of prayer. And we have been making this statement, and this is something that I, I, I believe that we have been praying, and that is, God, what do you see when you see me? Because it is foolishness. It is foolishness to think that we have arrived at a place. That we are at some pinnacle in our relationship with God. To say, well, Brother Jacob, I'm honest. I've just kind of got this whole thing figured out. Is there anybody besides me realize that the more I know is the more I don't know? Amen. Is that the more that I get to know him, Brother James, there's deeper levels and there's more to him. Hallelujah. But here's the good thing. is The fact is, is that God is not playing hard to get. Sister Laura, he makes himself available to us. He welcomes us to come. He desires for us, Brother Willie, to pursue him. He wants us to launch out into those places to know his heart, to know his will. Amen. As I said uh, early on in the introduction of this sermon series, oftentimes we have this mindset that the will of God is so mysterious. The will of God is something that is so far away and I can never apprehend it. There are some that have deduced the will of God in thinking that it's just a role of ministry. And what I mean by that, some think, well, God's will means that you preach. It means you teach. It means you do the or do something in the church. But that is the furthest thing from the truth. Amen. What you have to understand is that God has purpose. Let me, let me reiterate it like this. He has divine purpose and divine plans for our lives, Sister June, every single day. Anybody believe that tonight? Every single day. And so... In order for me to be in a place to understand what his wisdom is, and we're going to get into that, but first we have to recognize, because he starts with this. He said, not as fools, but as wise. Don't be foolish, but be wise. Don't succumb to what you think is right. 
Don't succumb to what man's opinions might be. Don't succumb to what religious traditions have taught you to be. Don't succumb as to what organizations have said, well, this is the, uh, this is the framework in which somebody is able to, to make heaven or in which somebody is able to, to uh, you know, be spiritually what God would have him to be. Because let me say this, foolishness is not just a categorization of those that are in sin. Let me say tonight is that foolishness is also to those that are even in the church who are so blinded by form and function and tradition that we are missing relationship with God. If there's everything that we ever needed today, and I've said this already in this sermon, but the sermon series, but let me say it again. We do not just need church goers. Amen. We do not just need those who know Brother Danny how to show up. They know how to give an offering. They know how to sing the song out to him. They know how to do, they know when to say amen. They know when it's time to go and pray. We've even mastered how long we're going to stay down there and pray. So nobody thinks strangely of us. Come on, you're smiling and laughing, but you know exactly. Because these things are behaviors that we can get so wrapped up in. Thinking that it, that it means or is a benchmark for our spirituality. But what we need, Brother Gary, if we're going to have revival, it's going to be birthed out of relationship with God. It's going to be birthed out of those that are walking with Him. Have a hunger for Him and His Word. Have a hunger for His presence. That every day, Brother Chad, somebody that would dare stand and say, Lord, I know today that You reign supreme. And not only do You reign supreme in heaven and over this earth, but can I say that first and foremost, would you reign supreme right here in me? And as a result of that, I want you to give me my marching orders. I want to be right in the middle of your purpose and your plan. But it's going to be when we reach that point in our relationship with God. Amen. Because what will happen as we draw closer to Him in that walk, Brother Aaron, what's going to happen is that Holy Ghost, He's going to put His finger on things and mark it and say, this needs to be dealt with. This is foolishness. This is foolishness. Now that right there is where some of us were in the pew. And you know how it is if you're the, the driver, the passenger... And the driver does something a little bit you don't agree with. Do you ever use your air brakes? You ever? Right? Now when I start saying this, Brother Gary, it's about time everybody goes. We'll shout and say, oh yes, I want a relationship with God. Oh yes, I want revival, Sister Brittany. Oh yes, we want to see God move by His power. But you mean that what comes with that is that God's going to put His finger on some things in my life and deal with me and He's going to dare challenge me by His word that maybe my thoughts have been foolish, my actions have been foolish, my words have been foolish, my attitude has been foolish, my grudge has been foolish my bitterness has been foolish oh you're not hearing me or helping
helping me right now. But I'm telling you, I believe the Holy Ghost wants to turn some things over in our hearts and in our lives and say if we're going to really walk in that relationship and if you're ever going to know God's will for you and for your family, if we're ever going to know it for the church, if we're ever going to be involved right in the middle of his purpose, it's going to be when we are prostrate before him and say, God, one more time, would you break me down just so you can build me the way you want to build me again? Oh, forgive me of my foolish ways. He said, not as fools. Make sure you're awake. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Amen. So, two weeks ago, I mentioned two things, and we're going to build off of this, but I mentioned two things that earmark foolishness. Number one, a rebellious spirit is foolish. So we talked about that rebellious spirit. The Bible, and let me just highlight a couple of things again in case you forgot, is the Bible declares this, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And the way that I presented that a couple of weeks ago was this, is that we oftentimes, in certain places of our life, we don't mind God being there. We like Him there. There is some, there is some uh, hope that He is there. There is some strength because He is there. There is some confidence in certain areas of our life to have the idea that God is there. But the challenge to the church was the fact, be careful because there are some places in our lives we shut the door, we build the wall, we put up the electric fence, and we say, God, we want to keep you out of this. We want to keep you out of this. And so I propose the question, are there places in your life where you say there is no God? Well, Brother Jacob, we would never say that. But what we dealt with was the fact that really, Brother Gary, it's an attitude. It is an attitude when there are some places we don't mind God being there. But other places, we don't want God to invade that. We don't want God to put His finger on that in our life. We don't want to have to deal with conviction there. We don't want to have to deal with yielding and obedience there. Because we want it my way. I believe it was Elvis and I believe it was uh, uh, Sinatra who, who sang that song. I did it my way. It is the anthem of the rebellious. It is the anthem anthem of those who think they have more smarts, more knowledge. They have it all together more than God. I'm here to tell you, your way and my way will lead us straight to a devil's hell. Your way and my way will cost us everything. And rebellion is earmarked with foolishness. Foolishness. Look at the course of humanity. Look at our history. Look at these things we come to find as to where there is one sad story after another of foolish decisions, foolish mistakes, foolish consequences that have been paid because man in some form or fashion has thought we knew better than God. We brought up the fact that even in the garden that Satan asked Eve, he said, did God really say that? 
Did God really say that? He is just keeping you at arm's length because he doesn't want you to become like him. He doesn't because when you partake of that, you're going to have revelation. I mean, is it really true? Is it really going to happen? And can I say that more than ever before, Sister Gloria, in this day and this hour, there used to be a time as to where we took all of God's Word and all of His counsel and we grabbed a hold of it, Brother Danny. We believed it. We embraced it. But now, now if it sounds controversial, now if it's not politically correct, now if it doesn't fit into our mold, now if it goes against the grain of our family... Now if it goes against the grain of our lifestyle, now if it goes against the things that we think are right, we will dissect it, we will chop it up, we will water it down, or we will altogether dismiss it. I'm here to remind you, church, it's not little dabs that'll do you. It is either all of it or none at all. There is no middle of the road. There is no little bits here and there. There are no gray areas. We need to embrace the truth of God's word again even when it quickens the rebellious heart even when it steps on our toes even when it hurts our feelings you ever been in services like that where you're like I want that preacher to hush up so I can just get to that altar I've been in the many of them oh God help me you're sitting there listening to them you got your feet pulled up in the pew Come on here. I remember one night pastoring our first church. There was a gentleman. He was a backslidden Pentecostal. Grew up around Pentecost. His family, mom and dad, grew up in the church. And I preached a message one particular night. And it was dealing with the effects of sin. And I watched him there. And very visibly, Brother Chad, his face turned several shades of red. Like Brother Udy's coat, I could tell, I could get a sense that he was not very happy with me. And as I was preaching, you know, there's a lot of things that go through my mind while I'm preaching. My thoughts are moving. I mean, there's a million of them just every second. And while I'm preaching, I'm thinking, Brother Marvin, I said, of all nights for that man to come and visit, he he is going to be, he is fit to be tied And so we had altar service and everything, and I was uh, at the back of the church and just talking with people as we dismissed the service, and everybody's coming through, and he waits till the very end, Brother Danny. He waits till the very end, and he comes through, and he puts his hand out. He says, congratulations, Brother Jacob. And I said, well, thank you. What are you congratulating me for? And that face was still red, and he said, he said, you have joined the ranks of preachers that you'll just preach somebody on into hell. And I said, well, I said, brother, here's the thing. I said, I'm not sending anybody. I'm not a judge. I said, but what I am called to do is to rightfully divide this word of truth. And I said, I'm sorry if you are offended. I said, but I would dare say you're not offended at me. But you're offended at the Spirit of God. He closed his mouth. And he walked on out that door. 
Three days later, I got a phone call from him. He said, can we meet in your office? And Brother Chad, I'll be honest. I know I'm supposed to be a man of faith, but I thought he's going to get me in there and knock my head off. <clears throat> we sat there, and I agreed to meet with him, and I sat behind my desk, and he sat in the guest chair, and the whole time he talked, he just shook. And he said, I owe you an apology. He said, I know what you, was, what you were doing. And he said, what you're doing was right. He said, I've grown up in this thing, and I know what's right. He said, I need you to pray for me that I'll get my life in the place that it needs to be. I said, we can, play, we can pray right now. We can agree together. He said, I'm not ready for that yet. And I watched that man walk out of my office. And I believe it was the last time that I'd saw him again in that church setting. But my heart was grieved because we get to that point to where we can be so steeped in our rebellion. So steeped in what we think is right. Rebellion is earmarked by foolishness. We also said that rebellion is earmarked by immaturity. The Bible says this. Now I know this is controversial, but this is, this is the Bible. This ain't Brother Jacob. But the Bible says this, and we read it, and I can read it again and give you the scripture reference, but it said, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But there's more to that. It says, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Amen. Now, I grew up in a house with mamas and daddies that believed in the rod of correction. I've often said, time out at our house was time out for mom to take a break. So she could get back at it, Brother Christian, if she needed to. Now, if mom was here, I'd embarrass her to death because Sister Brittany, she'd say, you didn't get that many whippings. That might be true. I don't know. I'm just going to leave you to guess. But what does that statement mean? And the fact is, is that in the heart of a child, they are not at a point to be able to make decisions. They're foolish. If you let a child... And if you say, hey, you can go to school if you want to. You can stay home if you want to. They'd never go to school. They'd just grow up dumb, ignorant. If you said, hey, you got to sit down and eat what mama made, or we got a bag of candy over there. You can just choose what you want, right? You'd have a child with a dentist bill out of this world because their teeth are rotting out of their head. Because they're just going to, right? Because children can be foolish, and it says it's foolishness is in the heart of a child. And let me say this is that there are many of us, and notice I said us, all of us in here, there are times that we get foolish because we are not handling things with maturity. We can be saved and be immature. We can be born again. We can sing on the platform. You can preach in a pulpit. You can be a deacon. You can be a teacher. You can be whatever the title is. It doesn't matter. I have found those. And they, they could be 50, 60, 70, 80. And act with such immaturity. That their age did not equate to the fact that they were seasoned in life. To know exactly how to handle certain things. And let me say we must be careful. Because there are some things. That, that coincide with rebellion, rebellion and immaturity in the fact that we are not willing to grow. 
We are not willing to grow in Christ. And the apostle Paul addressed the fact and he said this. He said, there is a time when we get away from the milk of God's word and we are on the meat of God's word. He even said there was a time, he said, when I thought, I spoke, I understood as a child. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And we are looking and seeing in the church age today, there is a lot of childishness that's going on around us. And we are crippling ourselves. Ministries never take flight. People are not reached. The power of God is prohibited. The Spirit of the Lord, there is not the liberty that there needs to be because there are strifes, there are envies, there are inner workings and undercuttings. There are those that they're going to throw a fit if they don't get their way. There are those who are going to quit if they're not promoted. There are those that are going to throw in the towel or going to sit around with bitterness in their heart if somebody didn't look at them or talk at them right, shake their hand right. The list goes on and on and on. Friends, can I lovingly say this? That all of us from the pulpit to the back pew, every single one of us need to say, God would you help me to grow on up? God would you help me to mature in the faith? God would you help me to put away childishness and foolishness and things that go nowhere and help me Lord to focus in on the things that mean something. People are distracted and dying in the church daily because they are wrapped up in senseless strife and bickering. I'd made a statement a couple weeks ago. We need to resolve that we are going to quit arguing with so-called saved people and start concentrating on the lost. Start concentrating on the harvest. Because there are folks... They are splitting hairs. They're making mountains out of molehills. They are never going anywhere. They're looking for the next piece of drama, the next soap opera. God help. We don't need God and light in days of our lives. We definitely don't need it in the church. Come on here. But it's when we are going to be grown and mature. Understand that growing in God, it's going to mean that there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be some things that means that you're going to have to let go of some things that you're holding on to. It might be sentimental. It might be tradition. It might be certain things. Somebody had, I I believe there was a question uh, because here uh, within our our first uh, uh, year of being here, Uh, we had our Sunday school classes on Sunday morning and so we had our senior adults they were here on Sunday morning but for our kids for our young couples there was a real struggle in getting folks here for Sunday school so I said let's change it up let's do something a little bit different we got folks coming from all over we've got them from Mid-County we got them in Lumberton we've got them in in Beaumont and Orange and Vider and we've just all kind 
kind of spread out. I said, maybe it's a little bit trickier for some of these families getting together on a Sunday morning for their Sunday school. And right now, some of you right now, it's already, it's already ruffling your feathers talking because I'm dealing with tradition. And uh, so I said, let's change it up a little bit. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our children's Sunday school on our Wednesday nights. We're going to, because it seems that we have more of them and more of our families, our young couples that are here on a Wednesday night. And, and somebody asked this question. They were not ugly about it. They were not rude about it. But they had asked and said, why did we do away with kids' Sunday school on a Sunday morning? And I explained the reason why. Because we're having a better turnout on Wednesdays. We'll have 20 for kids' church. We'll have anywhere from given from 10 to 15 on a Wednesday night for kids' classes. And I said, it's working. I said, we're not doing away with Sunday school. We're just changing a day and a time. And what I'm getting at is that person said, you know what? Said, you're exactly right. Said, I didn't think of it that way. And what I simply mean is this, is that sometimes our tradition will be challenged. Sometimes the things that we've always held on to are going to be challenged. Sometimes in order to move forward, that's why your windshield is three times the size as your rearview mirror. It's because we need to march ahead. We need to go on. We need to keep on moving. But the church that is stagnant and dying and not going anywhere is a church that keeps looking backwards and saying, I won't grow up. I'll throw a tantrum. I'll throw a fit. And I'm going to stay mad while the church that's going to get raptured keeps on moving ahead, keeps on going and say, we're going to do something for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Sometimes our sentiments, our traditions, and our things that have always been, we view it as it's the say all, be all, end all. And it's not. Can I say that a foolish statement from any church is the statement of, but we've always done it this way. And it's normally followed by this foolish statement, Brother Jerry. It starts with, it's always been done this way, and we've never done that before. Hear me. Hear me. We, not only as your pastor, but we as God's people, you have to understand that there are some things that God will deal with tradition. He will deal with what we have labeled in our mind that it's always got to be like this. Come on here. Can I just throw this in here? And I'm running out of time. And, and you know what? I've got a lot of notes. But it's kind of like this. If, Brother Gary, if we stood all across this house and everybody testified about their salvation experience, Sister Heather, yours is going to be different than your mother-in-law's. Sister Lori, yours is going to be different than Sister Polly's. Sister Polly's, yours is going to be different than Sister Rivier and Rivier from Sister Carolyn. Some was in a revival. Some was a Sunday morning. And there was three songs. And there was the altar call. And you went down. Some of you, some of you woke up after a, a, a bender. Come on here. And realized you didn't want to live that way anymore. Some of you was on the verge of divorce. Some of you on the verge of, of checking yourself into a rehab. 
Some of you in places to where you would be almost too ashamed to talk about when it happened and where it was. I've shared the story about the young man told his mama, said, don't you bug me anymore about coming to church and that coming to that revival. And she kept on praying. He said that night, he sat at that bar stool. He said he drank beer after beer, hard shot after hard shot. And he said, I could not get drunk to save my life. He said, all of a sudden, he said, that old feeling that I knew what it was as a boy stepped right into the middle of that bar room. said, the Holy Ghost showed up right in the middle of that bar. Come on. Oh, brother Jake, that's sacrilegious. No, it's not. The Holy Ghost goes into bars. He goes into drug houses. He goes into the prostitute's uh, place. He'll go into the homeless camps. He'll go into wherever because he he don't have to ask permission. He ain't going to get carded. He ain't got to worry about putting on airs. He goes right on in, brother Aaron. And he says, I've been sent on assignment and I'm going to get a hold of somebody's heart he said the Holy Ghost showed up in that bar room he said I fell back off that stool he said all my drunk buddies sat around and laughed at me he said they thought I was drunker than Cooter Brown he said but I was as sober as I could be he said but I laid there and he said right there on that dirty bar floor he said I said Lord if you can do anything with me Would you save me? He got up from there and went down to that revival. Baptized in the Holy Ghost that night in revival. I'm telling you, friends. I'm telling you. God is willing to do what we are willing to let Him do. But we have to be willing to grow up and get past some of our foolishness. I want to start on this, and I know I'm going to finish it up. Matter of fact, Brother Danny and Sister Carolyn, come. We're going to touch a little bit more on this because I want to to touch on this part. And then we're going to be moving into wisdom in the next couple of weeks. But the fall of a fool is long and hard. The fall of a fool is long and hard. And first let me say this. We've got to be careful because oftentimes, and I don't have time to preach all of it tonight, but oftentimes it's this, our feelings are foolish. Hear what I said, our feelings are foolish. There are times we are governing, Brother Christian, our decisions that literally have to do with life and death, but we're making permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Sister Gloria, we can say, well, I don't feel this today, and I don't feel that today, and and this is how I feel today. And we are allowing our feelings to be a part of making choices. The anthem of the world is, follow your heart. Be what you're going to be. Do what you're going to do, right? How many of you have heard it? Just follow your heart. And Jesus said, The heart above all things is deceitfully wicked. Sister Shelby, I don't need to follow Jacob Smith's heart. My feelings will lead me astray. What I need to follow is the Spirit of God. What I need to follow, Brother Aaron, is the Word of God. What I need to follow is what is revealed to me in that closet of prayer. A lot of times, Brother Scott, we're waiting on a hype 
We're waiting to feel good. We're waiting for the right, whoa! We're waiting for the right this or that. Oh man, then I'm going to, yeah, I can make a good decision here. Our people are so down and so low and they're making bad decisions. Our feelings are foolish. We are to walk by what? Faith. And not by what? Sight. Not by sight. We're going to delve a little bit more into this. But I want to remind you tonight, church, is that we are going to have to allow God. Let's allow Him to put His finger on some of the things that tonight that only the Holy Ghost would reveal to you to say, let's get this foolishness taken care of. The path that you're on, the choices that you're making, the things that you're doing, it's going to destroy you. It's a long, hard fall. The Bible says this, the way of a transgressor is hard. It's hard. God, help us. Help us. The righteous shall live by faith, not by our feelings. I'm going to close here. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your people. And Lord, I pray that you would challenge us because Lord, as you have called us to grow, you've called us to come out of immature places. Lord, I believe that you would challenge us, our traditions, our routines, our forms and functions. And help us, oh Lord, help us to be led by your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to know the Word of God. Let us be people of prayer. Father, I pray that you would help us this night. I pray tonight, deal with us. Draw me near. And Lord, I'm only going to be drawn near when I'm willing to move forward in my walk with you. And Lord, and, and to grow and mature. To put myself in my place. And make a declaration. And to live it out every day to say that you are Lord of my life. And Lord, in doing so, there's going to be moments where I'm convicted. Going to be times when you're going to deal with me. But who you love is who you correct. And Father, I know it's for the purpose of drawing us near. It's for the purpose of helping us to become more like you. Lord, I pray, challenge our hearts tonight. Church, this altar call is simple. Just say, Pastor, I want the Lord to help me. Maybe tonight the Holy Ghost is putting his finger on some places in, in your life. Can I simply ask this? I'm asking this out of love, out of concern for each and every one of you. Are you the one who's always offended? Are you the one who has always hurt, hurt feelings? Are you the one that, that it throws you off when things don't go exactly the way you want them to? I would dare say... It may be tonight the Lord would be putting His finger on some places of immaturity. I would dare say that He's calling us and saying, if you're going to grow, then you're going to have to be willing to lay these things down. You're going to have to be willing to let me do a work in your heart and your mind and your attitude. Tonight, is it the fact that you still look over the course of your life and there are grudges, unforgiveness, and bitterness that are still lingering? It's foolishness.
We won't get anywhere with God with it. You'll never have personal revival with it. Lord, challenge us and change us. Tonight, can we come and find ourselves a place in these altars to pray? Tonight, can we come and spend some time with Him? Tonight, can we come and just call upon Him and say, Lord, would you deal with me? Lord, would you deal with me?